Welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Caleb. And I'm Notch. This week, the return of the Premier League, the continuing tire fire that is Orlando City, and the end of our doubts about Wayne Rooney. Guys, I gotta tell you, I thought last week's episode was gonna be a total shit show when we finished recording. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be just three guys being total assholes. Which I mean, to be fair, that's us every week. Well, yeah, but to be, to be especially fair, you. More, especially you. More so than normal. And it would it actually turned out okay. And I, I'm gonna give the credit to producer Nick. For making the magic happen, cutting out every second word that we said and then splicing it all together word by word. And he edited out all the crying. So that was great, too. It seemed more respectable, I guess. I mean, it was it was impressive that we managed to record for six straight hours, giving him enough to work with. And I I feel like now he has enough content just to make AI versions of us. So we're not even needed anymore. (laughs) Oh, my God. He is going to deep fake the shit out of us. So, uh, but hey, we were talking about memories last week, and memories are made of photos. Photos are sometimes on walls, and that made me want to ask you guys, what's your most beloved thing that you have on the wall of your house? Um, you, you don't. Okay. <laughs> um, mine is probably, um, rather than do a guest book for our wedding, uh, we actually had people um, do little thumbprints on a mocked-up um, drawing of the giving tree. Oh, okay. And um, aside from it being, you know, just really touching and fun to see everybody's names written down, thumbprints and all that, um, I look over there and occasionally see my, uh, my cousin, who um, actually uh, died by suicide the day after. So. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, that's so. really rough, man. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, so so it's it's a nice reminder of him. Um, yeah, but yeah, so that's that's my beloved thing. Gotcha. Uh, that's a downer. So what, what about you, Caleb? What do you got in your wall that you love? <laughs> you can say it's some like <laughs> dumb album cover or like a picture of you Please having do. fun on a like, roller coaster or something. I just like, that. like I deflated the entire room so after that actually, one. So. It's actually most of the wall art as on my. Apartments walls has been picked up by, by my wife, but the one thing that we kind of both put up put up was a picture from our wedding. Um, my uncle is a professional photographer down in Colorado, mm-hmm. and instead of taking, he didn't take, take pictures for our wedding. He just took pictures of like the scenery. We were married at a vineyard, so we got a picture of like this the rolling hills of the vineyard, and just got that no people, just the vineyard, and we have that framed, and. Just reminds us like like you know it's 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 of that day, but kind of in the background and kind of shows how beautiful that day that day was. Mine is a photograph that's in your line of sight right now, actually over there. It's been on the walls of my humble rooms, apartments, and houses for many years. Actually, I believe my first or second year in college is when I got that one. It's a photograph of the poet's walk, and the photographer is Ari somebody. I forget his last name now. You'd think after fourteen years of having it on my wall, I'd know, but. It's just a very peaceful photo, and I like it very much. So um, I, I sometimes stand and stare at it just because I... I it, and my girlfriend actually noticed something really strange about it. It's raining in the photo, but you can't really... like it, it, That aspect of it doesn't overpower the photo. So it just is kind of subtly wet. I like it. Anyway, well, um, talking about subtly wet, I was a little subtly wet in my pants after this game that Minnesota United played this past weekend. Oh, that's a very upsetting side way. What kind? <laughs> what kind of subtly wet? Don't are you ask talking the question. You don't. I don't want to answer to that. <laughs> Let's move on now to a segment that we call United Passions. Our sport has a bright future ahead. In the United Passions segment, we talk about the United we are most passionate about, Minnesota United FC, who this week traveled to LA to play the Galaxy to line up against Zlatan. And came out with a tie 2-2. Some folks online after this game claiming that the tie feeling like a win. I beg to disagree. But uh, how how did y'all feel? I mean, I I do think my question about what 
what sort of feeling you had was pretty relevant because it it was kind of a confusing point. Like you don't know if that was a sign that Minnesota can string it together when they aren't playing at their best. Um, or if you were just too busy being angry and frustrated at them being abysmal at times. And let's just say the clenching led to sweat. Let's, let's go with that one. The unexpected type of wetness. Uh, you know that doesn't you, make it any you know, better. We were going to forget that and move on, but now you brought it up again, and now it's just in our heads now. Like, we're so supposed thank to, you. We're supposed to just have the cold open as its own thing, but you had to just make it weird. Colin, Sorry. when was the last time you were surprisingly wet? <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're doing now, Notch? Okay. This is new cold open. Is that what we're doing? Okay. Speaking of cold opens, uh, Alessandrini threw cold water on Minnesota's United. <laughs> Minnesota United's opening of this match, scoring seven minutes into the game for the Galaxy. Classic Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I, I feel like it was like 2015 or 2016, one of those NASL years where, where we were always conceding a goal early. Uh, was and, it just and like, last year's, including this year? That's right. Yeah, yeah, we feels were, like yeah. ages ago. Um, I've aged so much in the last year and a half. <laughs> Westford 9 of the failing 55-1 prompted me to look this up. Uh, Minnesota hadn't let in a goal until, or in the first 15 minutes under the 3-5-2 until this past game. Okay. Oh, well, Surprisingly you know, enough. Progress, but also not progress since we let up a goal, I guess. Is that... Progress in a very <laughs> fluky stat. Sure. Yeah, we did hold up the number two MLS score in this game and, and held him to... No goals. Zlatan coming up against the immovable object that was Brent Common and uh, Michael Boxel, who turns out when Zlatan makes contact with Michael Boxel's head, he falls down immediately. I mean, everyone does. Right. Have you seen Boxel this except, year? Except the ball. It goes in the net. That, that was a fantastic header. Yeah. Um, Darwin Quintero just dribbling around the side and I guess puts Jonathan DeSantos to sleep. Crosses the ball in. Boxel with a great looping header over the trash David Bingham. Yeah, he was, he's garbage. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. Although he's actually averaging out to be like a literally average. I don't MLS believe it. Keeper. Don't believe it. I, he's I, very was, bad. I was stunned when I saw that stat as well. The ref, Baldomero Toledo, calling a lot of fouls in this game. I have to say that I think that the run of the calls did go against Minnesota sometimes like that Zlatan call. But um, you got to say that there weren't any problems on LA's second goal. There were, there were problems. There were problems, but, but they, not, weren't, they weren't foul-related. They, they, yeah, no. they, they were our problems, such as Rasmus Schuler not putting up a fight, and Eric Miller assuming he was going to and making the wide run, and then when Schuler just lets the guy through. I think it was, it was Kendra on the call who blamed it a lot on Miller, not necessarily for getting just spun around, but for assuming that Dave Romney needed to be the focal point. You know, the reality is that he's he's not that great of a f- attacking fullback. The cross is probably not going to be an effective method mm-hmm. from that close with that many people. Also, we've we've seen Minnesota United defenders be hesitant to step to the ball in the past as well. Yeah, it's and not, they were on yeah. display too. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it's it's gotten to the point where that hesitancy has to be a tactical decision. Otherwise. Like there's there's no excuse for it at this point unless they are literally being told to do it. In which case, there's no excuse for the coaching staff to do it. The second Ibarra in our paradise managing to get us out of the the rut we had found ourselves in by scoring the equalizer. A beautiful, beautiful goal. This one pin perfect pass by Ibsen to send Dunlady through and a great cross by Dunlady to Ibarra for a goal that would have been over the bar by miles if he was just a foot back. You. I also appreciated just like the Acosta goal that we're going to talk about later in the DC United game, Ibarra calling for the ball. Yeah, he absolutely was waiting for it. Detriment to the LA Galaxy for just how loosely they marked players. Mm -hmm. Ibarra was unmarked on that goal. Yeah. He was wide open, and Bots on his goal was well, very lightly marked. Well, no, I I hear the bigger issue for that one was that Darwin Quintero had. Two yards between him and Jonah Dos Santos. I, I don't think it was the fact that Ibarra was unmarked. It was the fact that one of the I, I heard it on the on the mics. One of the LA Galaxy guys turned around and said, "Hey, do we have Ibarra marked?" And the guy said, "Yes," but he didn't <laughs> specify which one. Oh, and so, confusion! Uh, confusion. That's that's 
what happened. Hey, you just reminded me, though, about our Lord and God and Savior all combined into one and the Holy Ghost, Ibsen, who I didn't watch most of the first half. I was, I was commuting to the watch party, which, by the way, Headflyer Brewery in Minneapolis, not bad. You should go there. And uh, I saw on Twitter, Ibsen making, like, amazing moves. Everyone was praising Ibsen. Then I get to the brewery. I sit next to a guy. And the first thing he says, man, Ibsen's been doing shit this game, man. <laughs> you gotta love it. Like that, I That's can... entirely Ibsen. Like, that is literally everything that we hate about Ibsen. You know, I'm saying love people about gotta agree. No, yeah. You either yeah, love him or you hate doing. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's it, no in between. It, yeah, it is so inexplicable what Ibsen does on the field that you don't know what to feel. Hey, speaking of feelings, do you think those of us who don't have uh, like 20,000 Twitter followers can share our opinions on the platform? I I don't know. I mean, I just, I have 1,800 at the Two United Fans account, but apparently 55 wants 5,000, not enough to comment on stuff. So I don't know what, where I come in. I would say uh, 13,000.1 is probably enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, how do you get 0.1 followers? 13. Point one you thousand. Killed people? Sorry, thirteen point one thousand. So like okay. thirteen thousand one hundred. I think that is. I don't know. It's not my account because I don't count to that be as like fair, a currency you, you for you know mats. valid points. So yeah. So if you don't know what we're referring to, uh, Francisco Calvo after this game taking to Twitter not just to view the comments about his wonderful performance in this game, but also to respond uh, for a brief time. To, to criticisms such as the one the vile hate spewed at him by 55.1 um, and, and commending that, that uh, in a sarcastic fashion, I should add, that maybe accounts with 5,000 followers um, shouldn't be listened to. And I believe that was the gist of his, of his contribution to the Twitterverse that evening. Yeah, if I was Minnesota's PR team... I'd either delete Twitter off of his phone or just take his phone completely. He needs to just stop with social media from till the end of the season. I mean, yeah, I I've been saving this up for a week because go, 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 because this is probably is this the fourth or the fifth time that Francisco Calvo has responded to one of his own mistakes in a game by blaming other people. He's the I, I, captain of Minnesota United, and he spends most of his time in all of these moments where he's quote unquote standing up for people, unquote. Like, all of these things are meant to distract from him not doing well on the field. When he makes a mistake, the way that he responds to it is by making some sort of rude comment, either to collected media or on Twitter. Like, he doesn't own up to his mistakes. Like, I don't know. Going up and grabbing the ball on a free kick, holding it back, and throwing it up 10 feet into the air when he's on a fucking yellow card. Which, for some reason, Inchi defended? Which what? Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious about this right now? Very serious. Of course (laughs) we're serious about this. Of course, Adrian Heath said... That's a soft yellow. I don't know why they would call that. What the fuck sort of soccer are you watching, Adrian Heath, if you don't think that's going to get called as a yellow for time-wasting every single time? Yeah, that's a, that's a risky move at the best of times. Uh, this is not the best of times for Minnesota United. This is why, for me, this tie did not feel like a win. I wanted those points in all three of them. And we did not manage to pull it through at the end there. Um, I, I have a simple question. I'm a simple man. I ask simple questions. Angelo Rodriguez, your thoughts? He still hasn't scored. Ha! Gotcha, Angelo Rodriguez. He's been close. Gotcha, Adrian but... Ethan Manny. Ho-ho! Angelo Rodriguez hasn't... It's, really, it's weird to say this as a striker, but in his career, he hasn't shown a, a scoring streak, really. He hasn't scored more than 10 goals. I think more than once in his career in a season. Um, and putting him in the team right away seems to be almost detrimental. He's not up to fitness yet. I would like to see Heath take the, the route he took with Romario, who was 
bedded in with the team, trained with the team, put in some appearances, and then scores his first goal and is now being talked about being started in the next game. I, and and I just want to clarify for our listeners, I'm kidding about the whole gotcha situation. He's had a game and a half. Come on. Yeah. Early, too early. And I, I, I do have to say, though, that is going to be one of the narratives about it. Until yeah. he scores, yeah, it's going to be you traded Christian Ramirez away and you're starting this guy that hasn't scored. And to be fair. Like it or not, I don't think it's necessarily fair. But yeah, it's going to be something that's talked about. And that puts a lot of pressure on him, which isn't fair to him either. He, he and it's probably some... not good for anyone involved. Hey, I'm trying to praise the guy. Come on, give me a second here. Where are we? Apologists for Ramirez? No, we are. Yes? No, that would be no, a great bad name, by the way. <laughs> Apologists for Ramirez. Uh, anyway. But Angelo was was pretty decent in this game, if you ask me. Uh, he didn't manage to get the goal, but he had some opportunities. And, you know, we've been praising Ramirez for the same thing for quite a while, so maybe yeah. we give him a chance. But I would like to see Dunlady start next game. Yeah. he has been great off the bench. Hey, speaking of starting, uh, Mason Doy was uh, with the switchbacks. And- yeah, sent out on loan um, in one of those USL back-and-forth deals. Uh, played 72 minutes without a goal, but at least he got the start, got some minutes. Um, also announced by Adrian Heath, but not by the team yet. Bertrand Wundy Echo still exists and apparently will be going out on loan to the Charlotte Independent. Is that where Brendan Allen is now? They're both if, in like the Bermuda is, Triangle. It is um, actually former Loons players who actually exist. It's know. actually where Greg Jordan is. I looked it up That's right. for EPL's awesome. article about it, and I was surprised that Greg Jordan was there, and I was like, ah. Everything is right in the world. Uh, mystery number six, trained with the team today. We might know by who it is by the time you listen to this, but as we're mystery, this, we have mystery, no idea who this is. Mis- this is a mystery player. It's not Alex Song. Oh, okay. Which we know. Uh, Andy I'm Greer. so sad about the, that. The, the reason this is important is because Andy Greer, earlier this week, or I should say late last week, tweeting that the team was looking at making an international signing for a midfielder who would, by definition, thanks to transfer window closing, have to be someone who's an independent player. Go to Twitter or your favorite source of MNUFC conspiracy theories if you'd like to know who is out of contract. All right. My favorite, before we go, there is a out-of-contract defensive midfielder from, Brazilian, or from Brazil who is named Fernando Bob. <laughs> I shit you not. And he is apparently the second highest value Brazilian out of contract midfielder. I hope he has Continue. Bob on the back of his shirt. Anyway. Okay, it's now time for our segment called The Top Step. But the queen rise to the top. Oh, yeah. In The Top Step, we cover the latest news from America's Division One leagues, Major League Soccer, and the NWSL. First up, force rivalries with the MLS. Um, it's been a theme for a long time with MLS. Yes. And the, it's gotten worse. This year, Fanatics seeing... The, the money men, mint itself through t-shirts that have two teams' logos and then, uh, you, you know, the military stencil-type font, like having the name of the rivalry between those two teams. So you got the battle for Los Angeles. Who, who's in that one? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, we, Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City, so I, I should again add, there were a bunch of, like, don't mess with Texas-type slogans that went into these rivalries, really, like, intriguing ones. And then Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City got Midwest rivalry. I feel like the guy who had to come up with these slogans forgot about it. And then his boss emailed him like at five o'clock like, on a Friday, like, hey man, do you have these? Like we need them for, you know, 8 a.m. Monday. These have to fuck, go to the printer. And it's like, uh, Midwest rivalry, uh, Battle for Texas, uh, uh there's a turnpike in in New York, whatever, it's fine. Go, 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 go. And like, and just phoned it in because he yeah. wanted to go home early on a Friday. It, it's they're dumb and stupid. The the Union and Revolution fans getting the Liberty rivalry and not really knowing what the heck it was because neither of those teams really considers I the other a rival. So I, I just hope that the team Twitter accounts lean into this and make jokes about how fake all these rivalries are. I think that would be way more entertaining than trying to create some sort of rivalry that doesn't exist do we honestly not have a rivalry with skc though i don't i mean for a rivalry to happen you have to have like you know 
wins on both sides like an even matchup yeah that's the only part of it because like part of me does legitimately hate skc for all those times they beat us in the open cup and nasl yeah but there was i I feel like you need some sort of like injustice and atlanta coming and beating (laughs) us 6-1 6-1 or 5-1 or whatever the hell. See, this, this also misremembering things is important to rivalries. So um, I think, see, that was, that was an injustice. So anyway, that, that's my rivalry. But hey, let's move on and talk about Columbus, who played Houston in Columbus and came out with the win 1-0, a goal by a man called Giassi Zardes. Giassi who is fourth in the goal uh, in the leaderboard for goals in the MLS with 14. Did you see this coming, Notch? I did don't not. Lie to us. Yeah, thanks. yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. Who else didn't see that coming? FIFA didn't. Why? Because they made him the opponent for Alexander. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alexander would be number one though if he's a real human being. Justin Miram is back to Columbus and happy again. Yeah, and not getting fucking death threats again. Uh, Something we never you, talked Orlando. about on the pod. Atlanta or Orlando f- fans. Sending death threats to Justin Miriam for not playing well at the end of June. Crazy stuff. Well, he's back in Columbus now. No surprise there. Helping Columbus Zardes turned a profit win the game. on that, no less. Yeah, it's pretty good. Six months. Orlando's fans have been a cesspool for a while. Yeah. We'll do more on that later. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, rumored <laughs> to be buying Orlando. No, he's not. He was just asked a question on a radio show. Cool your jets. However, the Austin City Wait Council tomorrow is going to be voting on the stadium resolution. Uh, which is expected to pass. So as soon as tomorrow, we could know the fate of what happens to the crew in 2019. Tragic stuff. I will add one thing real quick. The the owner of the Columbus Eagles, the women's team in Columbus, adding to an open letter to this whole debate by sharing the fact that he had reached out to PSV, Precourt Sports Ventures, the owner of the crew, to do some sort of cross promotions or even just include notes about the women's games in their newsletters, just, you know, the basics. Like, can you just tweet at us a little bit? And for a while, they used to actually play in the same stadium at Map Free. PSV showing zero interest. Now, this is relevant because PSV has gone to Austin City Council and started these kind of token overtures to the Austin women's team down there. And it's. I mean, this is the kind of snake-like behavior you can expect from Anthony Precourt. I don't know what the Austin City Council is expecting from him and from PSV. Um, I hope that there's some sort of sixth hour, seventh hour miracle that comes through, but um, the writing does seem to be on the wall, sadly. I'm going to add one more thing to that. Um, Mark Wahlberg actually was looking to buying Columbus and not Orlando, like Notch said. Ah, yes, that's true. Yeah. Although, to be fair... Mark Wahlberg buying a soccer team is like the Florida man of buying a soccer team. So Orlando would make perfect sense. New England playing Philadelphia, the game ending two to three for the Union. Yeah, Corey Burke missed a point blank header early on, but kind of sort of didn't matter. Philly got two by the 24th minute. The second one, I feel so bad for Matt Turner on this because it bounced off the post and then bounced off Turner's back after he dived and missed the initial shot. And then it was just like walked in by Jack Elliott. Revolution managed to get two goals back, but Fudufafa Pico de Gallo scores the penalty for the winner. Delameo just... One of the worst handballs I've seen since Miguel Ibarra had a handball that I we all got really upset that, about. I bought that out of my, out of my memory. That, did that happen? <laughs> I don't think it happened. Anyway... Uh, Patel, please put that entire name on the back of your jersey. What if off of Pico de Gallo? It'd be fantastic. Please do that. Chicago Fire playing New York Red Bulls. Uh, the Red Bulls coming out with one goal and winning this match. However, the more interesting matchup between the Chicago Fire front office and their own fans as the, the Section 8 supporters sending a few of their number into the old Section 101 where... Sector Latino used to be Sector Latino, the band Latino supporters group from the Chicago Fire. Their empty space being left empty. Um, some Fire fans, depending on who you hear from, pushing past security, security just letting them in, and then the Fire responding by banning the whole group. Apparently also some talk of a smoke bomb being lit in Section 101 by said Section 8 supporters who had gone there. So again, the Fire after this game 
banning all fans who were in that sec section 101 for the entire remainder of the season. And then section 8 responding by suspending all supporter-related activities uh, for... God the foreseeable future. future. The yeah. foreseeable future. And then the Chicago Fire suspending Section 8's supporter privileges for the game that occurred this past weekend. You don't quit, you're fired. Yeah, Basically, exactly. That's what they did. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of different things that can be said about the who did what and who was responsible for who. But this has kind of got out of hand. And the, the Chicago Fire's front office has screwed up on a variety of things relating to the sporting side, to the a stadium, for example, this was pointed out to me on Reddit. The seventy-five percent of the stadium parking lot remains unpaved, and the fire are sponsored by a paving company. <laughs> they, oh they, my God. Again, they have the name of a company on their stadium that doesn't sponsor it anymore. That refused to renew the deal, and they just left everything up. So. Sort your shit out, Chicago Fire, and, like, help your fans. Anyway, uh, we should just move on to Colorado versus San Jose. Do we want to move on to Colorado-San Jose? Is that how bad the Chicago Fire situation is? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, who will be the crown the best worst team that has defeated Minnesota United FC? The answer... Colorado. <laughs> is, uh... Is... Is Colorado good? No. Okay. No. I, I really Acosta thought is. they might be this time. Yeah. And Kellen Acosta has made them me off. terrible, which is an improvement. For the but, Rapids, yes. Yeah. Terrible is great for the Rapids. Yeah. Their players have been abysmal usually, so they're getting a terrible <laughs> player is like a huge upgrade for them. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when the Twins added like a bunch of really, really good starting pitchers about three years ago. And it brought their ERA rank from 15th all the way up to 14th. Nice. One, one point. Now, while well, Kelnikos did score, Magnus Eriksson getting a penalty conversion to level it up for San Jose. Pretty light penalty, if you ask me. Yeah. But, uh, and but. then, then uh, uh, Louis Felipe, by the way, in this game, in the 87th minute, standing two feet away from Tim Howard as he takes a goal kick, gets smacked with the ball right in the legs. and. Of course, gets the yellow for time-wasting. Um, I don't know what he's trying to do. This is one of the stupidest things I've seen a player try to do. Like, you're too close to the keeper. You think you're not going to get called on that? Come on, buddy. Of course. Seconds later, however, massive fight happens. Shea Salina's running on a good run with the ball, and Dylan Cerno grabs him, which Caleb thinks is a brotherly tap of affection and shouldn't be called yeah, for a fine. foul or a card. No, it was a foul. I it was a foul. I think it's a card. Yeah, it's a softy yellow, I guess. Yeah. It, it gets called. A, it was definitely a foul. I think they just should have been charged for it, though. Well, it was a cynical attempt to stop the, the run without getting the ball. And Serna lashing out with his elbow to... No. Or uh, Salinas. Yeah, Salinas. <laughs> Salinas lashing out with his elbow to Serna's head. Uh, cue melee, which starts 11 players on 11 players all shoving and pushing. The referee attempts to stop kind it from a brief moment. And, pushing. and then steps, the referee steps back, realizing it's out of his control. Alan Kelly tries get in between players. It's not very effective. No. Alan Kelly hurts himself in his confusion. Shea Salinas does get the red card. And then later, Nana Boateng, Manchester City's Nana Boateng. Who oh, Nana. The What's his name? Oh, Nana. Nice, I like that. They should start yeah. singing that there. Well, he arrived in 2017. Finally gets his first MLS goal to put the Rapids ahead and give them the win. Here's a good question for the Earthquakes because they desperately need a savior. Uh, they brought in Dominic Adoro on the trade deadline. The last back for Tampa Bay Rowdies? No. Oh. The other one. You know, oh. the one that's actually played, like, top 20 in games played in MLS history. Like, the 32-year-old one who scores, like, maybe three goals a year. Again. has done that for long enough that he's in the top 50 in goal score. Remember how I said terrible players are good for the Rapids? At this point, Montreal's rejects might be good for San Jose. And, I mean, it's the same colors that they're going to wear, so... Uh, with that, it's time for us to take a break. We shall return with the rest of our show in part two. 
Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. We're in the top step. Time to talk about LAFC getting smacked around by Sporting KC. Who cares about the game? Who cares about the goals? This was Christian Ramirez's debut for LAFC, almost getting a goal uh, twice. Well, one of them involved the announcer saying the phrase, Mamma Mia Uchmaguch Susu Studio. <laughs> this announcer has never seen a music video after 1984. So. In his defense, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, penalty for or SKC for a high boot in the box that kind of looked like somebody got kicked in the face. It probably should have been a red. No what? card was given. I thought you were going to come in and say, you know, he was just gently caressing his face. Don't put this on me. No, it probably should have been a red. But as the season inverts, Christian scores almost starts twice on a diving header, hits the post, and then. Had a shot deflected and the hit post. So yeah. unlucky from Superman. Yep. Portland playing Vancouver and losing. Yeah, surprisingly enough, uh, first loss in 15 games. God. It's almost like Gio, Gio Savarisi is a God good coach. Um, Jeff Adenella, just what the fuck are you doing, man? You ran out to the penalty spot when Kai Kamara had the ball at the top of the 18 and you thought that was a good idea narrator voice it wasn't a dig of larry one and then subsequently shanked a penalty like this was not portland's night at all no. like absolutely not it just got even worse though because christian Tichera doubled vancouver's lead with a header the shortest player to win a game winning header this week he's five foot two which is one inch shorter than my mom. That's what the notes say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, at least Portland got a couple of uh, kind of reunion tour guys. Uh, Jorge Villafania is coming in on a transfer from Santos Laguna. Uh, they traded about 175000 in allocation money to get the top spot in the allocation order. Um, they're also getting Lucas Milano back. From Estudiantes La Plata. Santos Laguna sounds like a really great vacation location. You know, I'm going off to Santos Laguna, to the beaches. Oh, you don't want to go during that week. All the college kids are there. Right. It, yeah. it, just, yeah. it just seems like one of those 80s destinations, too. So you're talking like a, a G. Gordon Gecko style in a bathrobe holding a big brick of a cell phone on the beach. I'm like 85% sure that's where they filmed We Did That Bernie's. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Right. I just thought it was a really bad like OC spinoff. Toronto playing New York City FC. Speaking of bad spinoffs, they were pretty good in this game, though. Uh, New York City getting three goals to Toronto's two. <laughs> David Villa making a triumphant return. C cards, he always... Chelsea got a goddamn red card. It, it, they can't all be winners, you guys. It's, yeah. it's really hard. Kicks the card. He kicked out at uh, Gene Collins for New York City and probably could have injured him pretty badly with the way he yeah. kicked out. Yeah. Somehow beat Francisco Calvo for the stupidest card in the week. Yeah, okay, fine. Via does open the scoring. Giovinco equalizes with a beautiful, beautiful shot uh, in this game, showing the fact that, hey, when you spend for a good player, he continues to deliver results even when the rest of your team sucks. Toronto should just play with 10 men, honestly. Like, they did pretty well against him. Right good nyc team um but izzy tajuri shradi got a brace second one just absolutely wait, wait, you didn't answer the question is he tajuri shradi or is he not <laughs> <laughs> he is it's, it's on the back of his jersey let's just point that out tajuri right, shradi is on the back of his jersey uh does get the winning goal dc playing orlando and our boy and yours, Vaza, getting a phenomenal last-minute goal. And really, is there much more we should talk about in this game? Actually, there is. There's well, so much there more. Really yeah, is. I mean, more. there's the fact that he didn't actually score that goal. It was Lucho Acosta that hey, scored it. Vaza, in his infinite benevolence, got him that goal, okay? Lucho Wayne Acosta Rooney. gets a hat trick, and nobody gives a fuck because of how good that play from Wayne Rooney was. Okay, let's, let's start with talking about three. that. And won a header to win the game. Let's talk about this briefly. If you haven't watched this, seriously, go and watch it. MLS is going to be retweeting it for the next 30 years. 
But in the final minute of this game, final minute of stoppage time, Wayne Rooney tracks back with Will Johnson, who just has to like lightly tap it towards the goal and it's going to be a goal because uh, it's an open net. Usted having a run up for the corner, DC United having to win every game they can to maybe make the playoffs. So Will Johnson just has one kick, but instead he doesn't see Wayne Rooney running up with passion. I mean, that was a great run. That was every single bit that's left in his hamstrings. Yeah, makes the phenomenal sliding tackle, gets the ball, tees up a beautiful cross to Acosta, who also calls for the, the, the crosses I hinted at earlier in the show. And then knocks in a beautiful goal to win the game. And hashtag scenes. Are you sure the hashtag scenes weren't from Orlando fans on social media afterwards claiming that it was a offside and slash or foul on Lucho Acosta? Before we talk about the rest of this game really quick, Orlando fans in fine form this week comparing Garber to Hitler and threatening MLS executives with... Uh, exposure of their prostitution habits. Yeah, I don't understand it either. But oh, someone trust me. We'll talk about it. Oh, great. Also, Perfect. in the locker room after the game, lots of arguments and not very fun things from Orlando's locker room. So this team is just all in sorts of good shape. If you thought Minnesota was bad, try <laughs> the other place that Adrian Heath has coached. At least we're not Orlando. If you got ESPN Plus, seriously, you might want to put this game on. It was fun to watch. It, it was it absolutely was a fun to watch. Game. Also, yeah. not an ESPN Plus because it was on Fox Sports. Yeah, so, so I think go look the replays up are still on there. Are they? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, then. Well, cool. So Seattle played FC Dallas, the game ending 2-1 to Seattle. Yep. Uh, Chad Marshall throws a header because he's, you know... 48, nine years old. He's, he's old. And that's all I can do it now. Um, but uh, Lodero's winner in this game. I don't know how he saw that ball through to the far post. That was fantastic. On free kick, just threw everybody into the box into the far post. Much to uh, Jesse Gonzalez's fervor. Confusion. Dismay. Confusion, dismay. Something. Uh, Baji just forced, forced his first goal for Dallas after coming um. The other, way. The, other yeah. way in the trade from uh, Tom Tasta. Um, was this his debut or did he play one more game before? I think he played uh, a game before. Both in one game, but, but um, it off the mark for Dallas. The other talking point from this game, Reto Ziegler got headbutted by Raul Rui Diaz, then slapped him upside the head and shoved him in the back, and he was the one that got sent off rather than Rui Diaz. Now, I, let us ask the question, how many red cards should that play have gotten? Two? One red card. Ah, ah, ah. I hate Two so red cards. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, if Caleb was at it, no one would get a red card. They just, you know, gently touched each other <laughs> briefly in a, in a show of sportsmanlike conduct, according to Caleb. We have breaking news from Twitter. Jeff Ruder just tweeting that. Oh, my that. God. Oh, my God. Miss United oh is looking to the side presenting the defensive midfielder. Fernando Bob. Oh this is God. not a joke. This yes. is not a joke. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Colin knocking, knocking posters off my wall uh, as, as he celebrates the fact that he got... And seriously, guys, he... He just made a guess on Twitter, it and he got it right. A guess it was a hey, this dude has a funny name. Wouldn't it be awesome if we signed him, and it happened. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here, so Colin can tweet back at Jeff. Uh, we'll return with part three of our show. And we're back for part three of our show. An unexpected part three, but we've calmed Colin down. I enough. literally still can't believe it. But we've straightened cool. out the posters. Yeah. <sighs> All uh, good. Ellie and Colorado are playing later tonight, but it is after we record, so you won't hear anything about that game. Now, moving straight on to the NWSL. First up, Sky Blue FC getting some terrible PR through an article that was published last week criticizing their horrendous facilities, poor staffing, and underpayment of players. Basically, Sky Blues sounding like an organization in dire need of some strong financial support. They're owned by the New Jersey governor. And uh, while he's made happy noises about the team, he does not seem to have improved their conditions substantially. So uh, this is particularly important since I believe they're the only team left in the east of this country. 
correct? Or the Northeast, I should uh, say. Northeast, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's the Washington Spirit, which, uh, speaking of them, that was a really bad choice on my part to say that they would be a team to watch. Uh, this year, yeah, your yeah. prediction did did hold them as uh, as doing quite well. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. This was yet another uh, spirit loss. They went down one nil uh, to Utah Royals. Um, really, the only thing worth noting from this game, aside from Washington not being good, um, the home commentator screamed, "Katie Stengel, no!" when she scored. I I believe he had a bet. On a draw or either that or a Washington win and was very disappointed, even though he is the Utah um, announcer that NWSL betting pool is actually much better than people think. So, yeah, um, things get really weird when that A changes to W on the commentary. Um, one one between Chicago and the North Carolina Courage. While we were in mourning last week, North Carolina won the Supporters Shield. How many games are, are left in the season? Quite a few. More than, okay. Well, okay. three. But they won it with four plus games left. Like, I, I think it was even before their fourth game right. left. They had sealed it. Um, This game, don't leave Dabinia unmarked, um, but also don't leave Sam Kerr unmarked for back post headers. Generally leaving good players in attacking positions unmarked, bad. Hey, Minnesota United, you listening to that? Okay. Uh, let's move on to the fact that Utah played again this week. They played the Seattle Rain, who came out 1-0 winners. Yeah, Megan Rapino involved on all of the highlights from the first half. Um, it's, it's almost like Seattle just lobs it to her, knowing that she's up for World Player of the Year. <laughs> uh, Sky Blues playing Houston Dash. Dash coming out 2-1 winners. Everything is terrible for Sky Blues. Which means that Janine Becky had to transfer to Man City um, multiple times where he got to say, oh, hi, in this game. I, I also noticed that the other player in Houston's attack is Rachel Daly. So they have a Daly Ohai. I really hope that in their WhatsApp player group, someone's like, oh, hi, every single morning as their Daily Ohai. I really hope Ohai is just over it at this point and threatened. I just stop. I hate all of you. Please stop. I hate all of you. Please stop. Because that's how I would feel if that happened to me. Uh, Houston actually got uh, should have had three goals in this game. One of them was not given, even though the ball clearly crossed across the line. Um, the uh, Sky Blues goalkeeper, I just acting enough that it didn't cross the line, and like selling yeah. it enough. And palmed just... it, palmed it with maybe half a rotation inside the net. Yeah, it was, that's how far inside it was, it and was, yet it still got called as a no goal. Yeah, to be fair, it was hard for the assistant referee to tell, but it was definitely across the line from our point of view from the, from the cameras. Um, but in, in the end, they did, did, they did win off of a um, daily uh, penalty kick after a clear handball in the box by Edward Spender. Orlando playing the Portland Thorns, and the Thorns coming out 2-0 winners in this game. I'm trying to remember what it was that we were laughing at during this game, aside from Orlando just getting their defense completely torn apart by Haley Razzo. Yeah, let's just do that. Let's just laugh at Orlando. <laughs> general, Thank you very much. Uh, fuck Sydney LaRue. Yeah. Uh, let's now move into a segment that we call Get Low. Let's get low and get to a wrap-up of U.S. Lower League Soccer. First up, U.S. Open Cup Philly. Coming out on top of the Chicago Fire, three goals to the Fire's zero. And then Houston playing LAFC, and Houston wins 7-6 to six on penalties. After, after a 3-3 game that included a stoppage time equalizer by Diego Rossi. The bigger news from the U.S. Open Cup this week, though, in my opinion, is that the United States Soccer Federation, after an investigation conducted by Major League Soccer, has concluded that there was no evidence of LAFC player Adama Diomande being racially abused in the game against the Portland Timbers. Timbers taking this to mean that they could put out a statement uh, basically claiming that it never happened, that Diomande was uh, I don't, lying. I don't, that's, that's that was the implication. Implications about what we have made. And LAFC is, were not having it. That was subtext written in thousand point font in that statement and 
LAFC, to their credit, not taking it lying down and uh, making a statement which included this uh, text, and I'll, I'm going to quote now. We are disappointed that the Timbers issued a statement that was dismissive of our player and the investigation by concluding that it, quote, simply did not happen. We stand by Adama Diomande and his courageous public statement. So, uh, thanks LAFC for standing up against racism. We do appreciate that. Surprising that the Timbers did not choose to do that. Canadian Championship News, Vancouver tying Toronto 2-2. And the game going to penalties. And ending. No, there's two legs. Okay. So, there's two legs. We got you guys. Uh, you guys didn't know how the Canadian Championship works? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, we totally knew. It's fine. You've Fuck been Canada. Punked. <laughs> I mean, it's like three MLS teams each year in the Ottawa Fury kind of like shoehorned in there. Until the Canadian Premier League starts, there's going to be no point. So, no, there's still not going to be a point. <laughs> All right, well, USL News Phoenix getting beaten 4-3 to three, uh, by Orange County. Yeah, Orange County went up 4-0 in the 67th minute, and then Solomon Asante for Phoenix Rising gets a hat trick in the closing 23 minutes. Damn. And it's still not enough, <laughs> probably because DA, or Didier Drogba was not playing in that match. None of the Minnesota United players currently loaned to USL teams are at teams that might make it into the USL playoffs at the moment. And there's also some lower leagues Division 3 sanctioning drama coming up as reports coming out of Nippon and Karthik Krishnayar. Uh, by the way, both journalists of Indian descent, I should add, uh, have reported that NISA, the NASL uh, stepchild league, applying for Division 3 seasoning soon. Teams are currently secret. USL D3 also applying for Division 3 sanctioning it this week. Yeah, there was some talk that the sanctioning decision might be extended out, um, but USL D3 was able to get their application in under the wire. Uh, Wednesday is the official deadline. It should also be mentioned that USL D3 has announced an expansion to Chattanooga. Uh, and this team is not going to be Chattanooga FC, the successful NPSL side that has been drawing thousands of people to their games and have an active supporters group in the Chattahooligans. Some drama involved because one of the two founders of Chattanooga FC having quit the team to go join this um, uh, astroturfed expansion yeah. squad. Side. And not only that, um, said founder was also the NPSL um, board treasurer. So right. further and weakening the organization. And it should also be mentioned that the owner of this AstroTurf team is in Utah, out of state. So hopefully USLD3 will come to their senses. If not, hopefully the people of Chattanooga are smart enough to support their local side uh, against the, the expansion team. All right, let's now move into a segment that we call Let's Get National and discuss the latest from the U.S. national teams. The U.S. women's national team U20s go out in the group stage of the Women's World Cup. Yeah, huge bummer for them. Uh, one one and one record. Uh, they lost one nil to Japan. Um, pretty much nothing going offensively except for a last minute, barely cleared Olympico off of a corner. Um, so that was their best chance. Too bad. Uh, they did mash Paraguay six nothing. Uh, Savannah Demello with a hat trick and a gentle ladies hat trick for Sophia Smith. I did not know what the proper term would be for a gentleman's hat trick performed by Sophia Smith. Yeah, I have no idea. So, so. we'll say gentle lady. 2-2 uh, draw <laughs> against Spain. They went down 2-0 in the first half, um, but they then had two goals in the final 10 minutes. Was not enough to advance to the knockout stage. A plus side for the future, though. Sophia Smith, 24 goals in 28 caps for the U-20s. She's 18 years old. What? Also, U.S. women's national team player Mal Pugh featuring in the new Nike cinematic commercial called um, Something Something Phantom. She's in the commercial with Ronaldinho, Kevin De Bruyne, um, Firmino, a bunch of other folks. Neymar's in there too, so go watch it. Really super cool to see a U.S. player in a prominent worldwide commercial like that. Told you the spirit were worth watching. Now... The Premier League's back, the English Premier League, so it's time to return to a segment that we retired for the summer called Stiff Upper League. What are you doing in England? 
Mind your own business. <laughs> Someone in the notes has updated my tagline to say something about the English leagues where proper footy happens. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Notch. You're in welcome. In the stiff upper league segment, we talk about soccer from the land of stiff upper leagues or lips, stiff upper lips. <laughs> England. Leave it in. Leave it, we leave it in. We leave it in. Uh, and the Premier League weekend, I don't know if, if you can say it didn't disappoint us because there weren't any upsets or anything remotely interesting beyond everyone we expected to win, win. But uh, okay, fine. Manchester United put two goals past Leicester, who only answered with one in the opener for the season. Jerks. Yeah, uh, strange thing for Manchester United uh, to be kind of... I just, well, the word says pilloried here, but... I, well, oh, offseason by Mourinho Padua just the captain's armband. It's strange to me, at least. Uh, but he scored the first goal of the Premier League after Anapite after the longest run-up in ever. I aged three years watching that. It was very Zaza-esque. Let's put but it but he yes. finished. I mean, yeah. yeah. Can we just say that Mourinho completely lowered the expectations in order for them to clear the bar? Like, yeah, that's sorry. obvious. I- I it's obvious that, that happened. Uh, Luke Shaw, just a game winner, with, who's also been nearly bullied throughout Mourinho's tenure by Mourinho. Um, so good to see Luke Shaw off the mark there, and hopefully he can get some confidence back. That, was, that has been destroyed by his, his own manager. Uh, more drama coming out of Chelsea, where William has been airing all his Conte dirty laundry, saying, for example, that he would not have returned this year to Chelsea if Antonio Conte had stuck around. Should also be mentioned that he claimed in his that his infamous post on Instagram, where Antonio Conte had trophy emojis blocking him out, he said that the emojis had been done by his daughter. Dude, come on, just get real. Just be honest, dude. I think more importantly, though, Maurizio Sarri is getting a smoking room added at Stamford Bridge right off the locker room because apparently the dude smokes, and I shit you not, four packs a day. That's a lot. He was chewing dry cigarettes uh, during the, the, the games because yeah. he, he, he couldn't go. You, you can't legally smoke in... English stadiums, unless there's this designate, designated room that they're making, so he was just chewing the butt. Get him some nicotine lozenges or gum or patches, something yeah. to get his fix. Yeah. So, uh, Wolves playing Everton and Richarlison coming up big in this game. I really like the fact that Wolves are back in the Premier League. I know that they spent, like, all the money ever in order to get their team up to snuff, but more importantly, Molyneux was a fucking fantastic stadium to hear on a broadcast. Wolves they did, mic that shit up like crazy. To be fair to Wolves, they did get quite a few free transfers from Sporting's debacle in Portugal. And they got a lot of help from Jorge Mendes. Let's not... Yeah, that, let's that's the that. more important piece. That, say that, that is like the piece. So that's uh, why their ownership have set a target of winning the Premier League and I think it's seven years. Oh, jeez. Okay. But Ruben Neves, seven years. Ruben Neves, mm-hmm. young Portuguese midfielder who dominated the championship, scored a goal in this game, and doesn't seem to be off the pace at all. He looked really good. Every single one of his goals has been from outside the box. Beautiful. It was a difficult day at the Emirates. The post-Arsene Wenger era stumbling out of the gate with a 2-0 loss against Manchester City. I think it's time for everyone to panic about the <laughs> Unai Emery era being nowhere near as good as the Arsene Wenger era, except for the fact that um, you have a team that wants to play out of the back with a goalkeeper that wants to fire it into his own net when he plays out of the back. And then um, going online, Peter Cech, as you say, almost scoring on his own goal. Uh, this was followed by him going to Twitter to criticize Bayer Leverkusen's English account, which had deigned, I tell you, the audacity of these people posting a video of Peter Cech's uh, backup, Leno, who used to be a buyer keeper, by the way, posting a video of him in a buyer jersey playing a ball successfully out of the back and saying, if you need some tips on how to play a ball out of the back, watch this. Peter we Cech, know a guy. Yeah, Peter Cech going and saying things about professionalism, sportsmen, we are teams, carry ourselves with dignity, blah, 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 blah. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them in the landing grounds. 
that's what he was trying to do, get the moral high ground. He failed spectacularly. Like one uh, certain Minnesota United player, perhaps Peter Cech should just take solace in the fact that he's a really good soccer player and does not need to take to quit Twitter to get the moral high ground and dunk on a Twitter account. Although I will say this, if you were triggered by the captain's armband and if you are absolutely willing to kick the ball into your own net, Minnesota United, based on our history, is probably the best place to do both of those things. Check, check for MNUFC. Seriously, dudes, just stay off Twitter if you can't hack it. If you don't like jokes, and I get it, sometimes I'm not in the mood for people making dumb jokes about me. Stay off Twitter. Also, Man City are good. Like, they're really good. That Guardiola man, ball fraud, I tell you. Liverpool playing George Michael's Wham and winning 4-0. Suck Andrew Ridgely. He's the one that's still alive, right? Yeah? Yeah. yeah, 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 dead. yeah. Dead. There were two of them, uh, and one all, of them passed away. So the, that's all I got. You know, transit this team was great. The I loved him. <laughs> Mo Salah scoring. Mo Salah scoring the first goal. Mane with a brace. And Sturridge scoring it for 24 seconds of pitch time. You got subbed on and scored 24 seconds later. So. If you can't tell, and you're a new listener to this show, Caleb's a Liverpool fan, and Colin is an Arsenal fan. And Nick is a... Liverpool fan. Oh, I, I like you, Nick. And I am a fan of whatever will make the people in the room I'm with most angry. So, <laughs> so uh, hold on. Swansea? Everton Ham. <laughs> Everton Ham. <laughs> All right, let's now move into a segment we call They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the world that we haven't talked about yet. First up, League. Uh, where Tim Weah going on the pitch for PSG. Who knew? Starting and scoring. I don't believe he actually started. Yes, he did. He was rumored yeah, he to. Did. He did? He did. Because yes, he, he put did. out a lineup where he wasn't starting for a little while. I heard that. I'm anyway. pretty sure he started. I'm 99% sure he started. That's pretty so, fantastic. The fact I'm that I'm 100% our... sure that he scored. Uh, so no, Let's put it this way. An American teenager starting for the, f- I mean, let's be honest, the French champions again. Scoring in his first lead goal, also his first competitive goal in the French Super Cup against AS Monaco, I think last week. So, two professional goals under his account. He's what, 18? Yeah. 18, 19, yeah. 3 0 uh, win against Khan for PSG. People say that Andrew Carlton is the best American teenager aside from Pulisic. That's not true. It's probably Timothy not true. Timothy Weah, baby. All right, this is going to be a super hot take lightning round. Nick, I want you to participate in this as well. Uh, you can maybe tell me your things, or you can settle up to my mic, whatever you prefer. But Just I'm gonna, scream it loud, Nick. I'm gonna give you, scream it loud. I'm going to give you a league, and you're going to predict who's going to win it, okay? And no like ums and ahs. Gotcha? EPL. Man City. Liverpool. Nick said Liverpool. I'm going to say Man City, because I'm... All about that ball fraudiness. Although you know what Liverpool could could do it. I I think that the, the Liverpool second challenger. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Lightning now, lightning now, lightning so, Yeah, we're going to go the other direction now. La Liga. Nick has no idea. Uh, Atletico. Damn it! I was going to say Atletico. Uh, Barca. Barca. Bundesliga. Bayern. Bayern. I'm going to say it's going to be Eintracht Frankfurt because I'm a hipster like that. All right, let's move on to. I got a different page in the notes. Sorry, Serie A. Juventus. Roma. Whoa. Nick says Juventus. I'm going to say Juventus too. Ronaldo getting his, getting his trophy. League A. Uh? Nick doesn't know. PSG. Monaco. PSG. And the Champions League. You're not pointing at anybody. <laughs> Point at somebody. Juventus. Man City. Nick says Juventus. I say Liverpool. Because I'm Thank romantic. You. But also, don't put that on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Europa League. Arsenal. I'll okay. do it. I'll say it. I'll go Arsenal too. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) We're fucked. I'll have a Sam Adams three. Okay. Let's now move into a segment that we call Soccer Things.
We're calling dips into the deep, dark corners of the soccer world to bring you stories you won't and shouldn't believe. So we in the internet conspiracy world have been rocked by the scrutiny that's been placed on QAnon. If you are unaware of QAnon, QAnon has been posting the real truth of what's going on in the deep state conspiracy to overthrow President Donald Trump. NBC News posted an expose just this afternoon claiming who QAnon is. It turns out it's a guy who's best known under the internet handle Pamphlet Anon. He's best known as a guy who has a Patreon account and a YouTube channel that decodes QAnon conspiracies. Because, trust me, they've gotten really cryptic and really interesting over the last six months. NBC News were able to confirm that sighting based off of a YouTube channel live chat in which Pamphlet Anon went through some of the various QAnon posts from the last week, one of which was, and I shit you not, in the drafts folder of the 8chan account. It had not yet been posted, and everyone was like, wait a minute, how do you have QAnon's handle? How do you have this? Wait, you're signed in as him? Here's the crazy thing. What you can also see in that video, and I have been provided with this from some of my dark web sources, you can also see that Pamphlet Anon is logged in to a Facebook account for the Iron Lion Firm. (laughs) (laughs) And there is like a mock-up of this weird photoshopped guy who's tilted at about a 320 degree angle wearing a black hat with a scribbled in mustache and some weird wings posted here and there yeah that's right pamphlet anon is also the same guy that's posting the stupid don garber is a nazi shit on facebook now What we've also learned about QAnon over the last few days is that he is very clearly a false flag account. Like, aside from the fact that he's trying to drive up traffic to his own Patreon, get more subscribers and all that, there's also the fact that the deep state conspiracy is who is the guy that's paying the data for Donald Trump's phone, because how else would he post on Twitter? The important thing, though, is that if QAnon is posting all of these false flag conspiracies as to what the quote-unquote deep state conspiracy is, are we entirely sure that if he's posting under the Iron Lion firm that they are not themselves a deep state conspiracy by Don Garber? Oh, jeez, I hadn't thought about that. I'm fairly certain that Iron Lions are little more than an attempt to draw up sympathy for the rest of the Orlando City fan base who are complaining about the fact that their team is absolutely fucking abject and they have a lot of really horrific people in their supporters group and trying to come up with some sort of way to purge those other bad people that throw bottles on the field and all that out of their ranks. They are hoping that if they can just completely clear the ruckus, they can restart anew with a more sanitized version of what MLS wants their supporters groups to be. Wow. That was a deep, deep dive, my friend. That's probably the best one we haven't had in recent memory, at least. That was fantastic. Thank you, Colin, for enlightening our, our listenership and us in the room. That's what happens when I spend more than five minutes on it. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this episode. So before we go, would you like to tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter? I'm at kolson716. Also at for 55.1. Have a couple match recaps coming up in the next month. So be on the outlook for that. Um, special thanks to Tectonics for letting us use their song Lustless as our theme music. Um, shout out them at um, Bandcamp and SoundCloud and Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, you can find me at The Attachment. You can find my writing over at epluribuslunum.com. 
Um, I wrote the match preview for um, the LA Galaxy, mainly because no one else was going to do it, and I had 20 extra minutes. Um, so hopefully you will find me writing similar things, including a write-up of Bertrand Awundi Echoes alone whenever it gets officially announced. You can find me at TWO United Fans. We Call It Soccer is a podcast produced by Nick Rodriguez, whose views on soccer and politics can be found at Nick Rodriguez on Twitter, spelled the usual way. And you should tell your friends to listen to We Call It Soccer. You can subscribe to our pod on fine podcast providers everywhere. With that... We bid you adieu for another seven days. See you next week.